It is the 200 level episode 168, turning the corner, and a couple different ways I mean that today, which I'll get into in a bit, as we bask in the glow of Illinois and Iowa. I didn't do a podcast this weekend, Saturday or Sunday, because to be quite honest, I was just enjoying the game for what it was, and it really uh, helped me ride through that weekend feeling good about Illinois sports. And as we sit here on a Monday and get ready for a big game on Tuesday night, which we'll be here for, me, Trevor, and Isaac, uh, it is completely different than I think we would have felt even last week. For me, it was cautious optimism, a guarded optimism going into that Iowa game, knowing that if they won, I would feel amazing. And we did, right? I stayed up until 1 a.m. on Friday, just soaking that in, went on Zoom with some friends, and every 15, 20 minutes or so, we'd bring up, God, that was a really good game. And it was. It was a great game. 40 minutes, very entertaining, and you came out on top. So, you know, as opposed to just being entertaining and then disappointed at the end, it was entertaining and you got the triumph. So that was great on Friday night. And that guarded optimism was because I just didn't know what team would show up. And I didn't want to consider what would happen if they lost. And I am so glad that we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, that we don't need to take that fork in the road where we start thinking, what is this team and where are things going? Instead, it was a very validating win. And I think all the more exciting because it seems like this team is beginning to figure out what each of these guys are good at. And I think even Underwood in his press conference today, said something about identity and how guys are really adapting to their roles. So we got a lot of basketball to get into as far as turning the corner, which I think they have the opportunity to fully do so this week. Tuesday night, Indiana. Saturday against the Wisconsin team that is inconsistent. Not the Wisconsin team we're accustomed to seeing, even though, of course, we know they're dangerous because it's the friggin' Badgers. But turning the corner also personally, and I just got done with my first vaccine got the Pfizer vaccine, and I don't want to gloat. I mean, it's certainly not gloating, right? I'm very lucky as a teacher to be in that phase 1B and have the opportunity to get it. And, you know, went over to Centennial here in Champaign. Very seamless, you know, as easy as it could be, very well organized. And I got to think Champaign-Urbana Public Health Department, they've been fantastic locally with this from the outset. The Champaign Unit 4 and all the local school districts are really kind of on top of their game getting this thing going. And I got my shot. Lady said, you know, just to let you know, it's a really small needle. You may not even bleed. I said, lady, it could be the biggest, most painful needle ever. And I would want to get this thing done and get the shot. No problems yet. We'll see if I feel tired or get a low grade fever or something like that, which honestly, I'd welcome it. I know that is not a sign that the thing's working, but I would gladly take a symptom tonight just to be like, yep, I got it. And as I sat down in this area where you have to wait for 15 minutes to make sure you don't have an allergic reaction, I'm texting friends and family, you know, the picture with the vaccination card and, and this sort of wave of emotion came over me and I didn't, you know, break down and cry, but I did kind of well up a little bit thinking what a long journey it's been, but also extremely grateful that less than a year after this thing started, I got the first of two shots to get on the other side of this thing. You know, I wish I could give it to all the people that I know. I I wish everyone could get it right now so we could be out of this thing. I know that for me and my wife, she won't be able to get the shot for a while because there's no group that she falls into that would get it early. So, you know, despite getting the shot and getting a second one in a few weeks, I'm still going to be really careful. But it is the beginning of the end of this thing. And to start thinking and brainstorming of all the cool things that we'll be able to do with the people that we care about hopefully sooner rather than later, and to feel like by the end of 2021, we'll be looking back on this thing like, ah, remember when? 
as opposed to actually living through it. Living through it's been tough for everybody for different reasons. You know, I've been lucky throughout to have a steady job and that my wife and I haven't dealt with it in terms of economic or, or health impact. But to think of all the people that have been hurting and then to also not be able to share with other people those emotions, apart from Zoom meetings, telephone calls, text messages, just to be able to hug people again without like, you know, that, that's going to be nice. So turning the corner personally in terms of health, turning the corner for Illinois basketball, that's a clunky transition. I understand. It is apples and oranges, a pandemic in Illinois basketball. One's a little bit more important than the other. But uh, overall, if I look at the last 72 hours, some really cool things to think about and a lot of things to be optimistic about as well. So that's how we're going to start today's podcast. Not going to be too long because, hey, we're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to be back Saturday and in all likelihood, probably back on Thursday or something to react to the Indiana game and preview the Wisconsin game. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, though, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, get a custom zone with any topping that you want, and there are many to choose from, or one of their favorites like a Maui Wowie buffer zone. You get their signature dipping sauce, and best of all, you can get $5 calzones using coupon code MIKE at dpdoe.com. That's coupon code Mike at dpdoe.com. Hey, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. You don't want to go out in the cold temperatures. By the way, it's going to be seven degrees as a high on Sunday. They will bring it piping hot to your doorstep, dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts, sweatshirts. My sister, I think, was going to get another one over the weekend after that big Illinois win. Get your new lucky shirt and use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguide.com. Wife, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. They have you covered. They have us covered, homeowners and auto. It was super easy, great personalized service, and on top of that, amazing State Farm prices. That's not surprising. But Brian is my guy. I can say that, and he could be your guy too. Brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Alana Inquire and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level, and not unexpectedly, the episode on Friday night and over the weekend, the live reaction during the second half, that was one of our bigger ones. It is so nice to be able to deliver content after a big win because the cathartic feeling after a bad loss, that only goes so far. Eventually, you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to relive it. Well, Friday night was one of those games that you wanted to relive over and over again. Uh, One more thing, too, the particulars. We've gotten ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. And the more we get of that, the higher we show up if someone searches for Illini. So, Apple Podcast listeners, rate, review us. Appreciate all the feedback along the way. Let's go back to Friday night. And as I think about how I felt going into that game, I think the nerves probably started to hit for me right about 4 o'clock that afternoon. Got done with school at 3, had some errands to run, grocery store, Costco. Yes, we are one of those Costco people. And I'm really just trying to kill time at that point because 8 o'clock seems like an eternity away. We get to 7.30, and for whatever reason, the last 30 minutes before that game started just dragged on and on and on, trying to find a video game to play, just anything to kind of clear my head. And then the game starts, and there was this odd feeling of zen throughout, probably because the first five minutes were so good. If I recall, it was 16-all or 14-all, high-scoring first five minutes, maybe two fouls called total in the first five-minute stretch. The flow was great. The game was some high-level basketball, and we expected that, but I think maybe 
some of the bad basketball we'd seen from this team earlier made us think, oh God, please show up. Well, they showed up. And I think after those first five minutes, even though it was knotted up, I felt fine. I felt at peace thinking, we aren't going to lay an egg. And Illinois certainly did not lay an egg. There are many things to talk about. And the first thing that I'll mention, almost get it out of the way, it's a formality at this point, is how good Iowa was in the first half and then some crucial shots in the second half as well. So good. And it was great to see him not just be the closer. Didn't really even need him to be the closer in this game. But he he was the opener too. He was the guy that set the table for Illinois and really kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. We haven't seen a whole lot of that from Iowa in the first half, but he just took charge immediately and said, I'm the best player on the court tonight. Luca was fine. Luca was really good. 19 points, but though not as efficient as maybe we're accustomed to, but Iowa was the best player on the court. Not far behind him. And in terms of impact on the game, maybe even greater than Io was Trent. Defensively holding Bohannon to, I think, one three-pointer. So that's two bad games in a row from Bohannon. But offensively, 24 points, I believe. 15 in the first half or 12 in the first half, including that acrobatic three-pointer to go into halftime with the lead that you had, which was huge. And to see Trent, I was about to say revert. And, and when you say someone reverts to something, it makes it sound like they got worse. No, reverting back to his freshman year form in terms of his offense, where he was such a confident player on offense. And we haven't seen that so much from Trent in his junior and senior year. So you revert back to you know freshman, a little bit of sophomore year Trent, where he's fearless offensively. And maybe most encouraging of all, apart from the ability to make shots, which he's kind of done all year, if inconsistently he has shot pretty well from three-point range. The thing that had been missing for Trent is the ability to take it to the rim, to do so fearlessly, to finish layups. And I even remember thinking, I think the Penn State game, there were a couple of moments where he was taking it down for a layup and then he eventually just had to kick it out. Either he wasn't confident enough that he'd finish it, the defense closed on him, but it started to feel a little bit like DeMonte last year where DeMonte would go in for a layup and you're like, don't do that. No, 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 no. It's, it's not going to end well. Well, then Trent has a bunch of buckets in transition, taking it to the rim, fearless, right? And you know, you knew the defense was there. So you couple that with what you hope will be your third leading score the rest of the year. And I think Trent can be that. That's how I thought this year was going to shake out. The reason I was so high on this team was the idea that Trent would find that form again offensively, would have a monster senior year, because it seems like that's how it should end for him. The guy has been through so much coming in here as a John Gross recruit through the lean years of his freshman and sophomore year to finally getting that success as junior and senior year. And this year, more than any of the four years before, he has the ability to really elevate this team from, let's say, you know, fourth in the Big Ten to potential Big Ten title winner. If he can play like this, Illinois can contend for that Big Ten title all the way to the end here. And I hope he does. I hope it's not an aberration. I hope it's not a one-game thing. But I got to think that the way he performed against Iowa will give him all the confidence in the world to continue shooting on offense and to continue taking it to the rim. That was such a missing ingredient for him offensively. Trent's the story of the night, right? A secondary story, if you can even call it that, is how good Jacob Grandison was. Double-double, and I would argue the shot of the game, where Iowa takes a lead. And keep in mind, Iowa had a lead with about two and a half minutes to go after Weisskamp hit a three-pointer. You go back down the other end, Grandison, no problem. Makes one of his own, gets you that two-point lead right back with two minutes to go. And listen, two points, not that big of a deal. That lead can certainly change, but there is something mentally about going into the closing stretch of a game with a lead as opposed to playing from behind. 
And I don't know if Illinois would have puckered up or, or played poorly had they been losing even by two points with two minutes to go. I'm glad we didn't have to find out because from that moment on, you didn't look back. Grandison was terrific, and he's been terrific since he's been in that starting lineup. It's a small sample size, but you have to feel encouraged at the fact that with the size that he has, the efficiency that he plays with an offense, and how good he is defensively, he was disruptive. I think he had three steals on the night. There was another where he got in the passing lane, and I think Kofi was the one that came up with the steal. Fantastic all around. He's someone you want on the court. He plays 30 minutes, I think, against Iowa which is far more than he played all year, and I see no reason not to play him 30 minutes going forward, especially with how DeMonte's struggling, how Georgie's struggling. Your best five right now includes Jacob Grandison, and that is not something I would have said or even thought about a month ago. So those are the three guys you can really look at, though you got to throw another one in there, and I know he didn't have a good first half, but Kofi. Kofi was great in the second half, and... You know, I say play of the game, Jacob Grandison's three-pointer. That's That, to me, is the most impactful moment in that game down the stretch. But to close it out by missing the front end of a one-on-one after Iowa had their ninth team foul, to have it bounce out, and then he grabs it, the carom off the rim, it goes a little bit far, you know, Kofi corrals it, he gets fouled, and then he makes both, C1 by five. And listen, a little bit unorthodox, and it would have been nice if he had just made that first free throw so you don't even have to get into a position where Iowa could have tied it up. But Kofi was fantastic in that second half after what was a very uh, low-impact first half for him. Surprisingly so. I thought that he was going to show up for all 40 minutes. But better late than never. And you want a guy like that in your team. And as I was talking about with Jeremy today, this Illinois team, for most of the remaining games, they will have the best two players on the court in Iowa and Kofi. Certainly against Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis, he's, he's fine, right? He's really good, but I'll take Kofi and Iowa over him. Wisconsin, I'm certainly not taking Brad Davison over these guys or anyone on Wisconsin, not even Nate Reavers, Ruvers, whatever. I'm kind of done with Wisconsin, if you can't tell. But Kofi and Iowa are the two best players in the court for most every game going forward. Maybe against Michigan, you would argue that Livers, the year that he's had, or Dickinson, their freshman center. But you know, I'm still taking the two guys that we have. And what that means is it essentially comes down to the supporting cast that can either elevate this team to Big Ten title, lofty NCAA tournament run kind of expectations. Or if they kind of stagnate, then you are still pretty good and still dangerous, but not as much so. It wasn't a perfect game that Illinois played on Friday night. Not at all. Georgie was bad. I guess defensively at his moments, but offensively he was back to his flailing around the rim and throwing it off the backboard stick, which is not good. If fans would have been in the stands during that Iowa game, they would have been groaning every time Georgie touched the ball, kind of like the Michigan State game last year where there was a palpable tension whenever we fed him the ball in the post. And then you look at other guys, DeMonte, unfortunately, a non-factor offensively. Defensively, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's fine out there, but he's kind of getting lost. He's kind of invisible out there like he was early his junior year and maybe an injury has something to do with that and then adam miller a non-factor oh for three not out there in the stretch run because he had crabello in there instead and crabello you should feel good about i know a couple moments where you're like oh god what are you doing a turnover uh, on one key offensive possession and then the five second call which upon review probably wasn't five seconds but crabello was fine but that's a lot of inconsistency right outside of Trent, Grandison, Kofi, Io, a lot of inconsistency, which goes to show you, you don't need spectacular performances 
from your supporting cast. You just need a spectacular, or I should say very good performance from a third score. And that could be Trent one night, and that could be Adam Miller another. You need Grandison to continue to be Mr. Reliable, and I have no reason to believe that he won't be Mr. Reliable. And then already you've raised that floor exponentially and put yourself in a position to really make some good things happen here the rest of the year. You know, the Iowa game by itself is huge. You get a marquee win, one that is going to help you immensely come Selection Sunday. That's the kind of game that gets you off the five line and into the four, or off the four line and back onto the three. Because I was not going anywhere. I know they've lost two games in a row, but you know that that offense is going to carry them to, I don't know, 12, 13 Big Ten wins, and they will finish in the top 10. They will. They're too good not to. So you got that win, and you don't have to face them again, which is a huge scheduling break. So by itself, that game is huge. But the rivalry, and to know that since this rivalry really kick-started again last year, you were 2-1 and one against this, these guys, and I would argue that in these 120 minutes that you've played against Iowa, you have looked better than Iowa for the majority of those minutes. Go back to Iowa City last year. I thought Illinois played a B-minus game, and yet they were right in there, and I think had a lead under five minutes to go before Iowa pulled away. You go back to last year, and Iowa took an early, I think, 16-point lead. You quickly came back, and then you took a 16-point lead of your own in the second half. I felt like you were the better team for the most part on Friday night. If we're saying, well, who was better for 40 minutes, I'd say Illinois probably better for 25 of those easily. I thought overall just a better performance from Illinois and a better team. And... I don't know if it's a matchup thing that you can match their backcourt because you got athleticism in your backcourt. The fact that Kofi is kind of an antidote to Luca Garza, and we've seen Luca just be merely very good as opposed to best player in the nation against Illinois. Maybe it is just a good matchup, but it is so nice to beat them. It is so nice to beat them, and it's so much fun to hate them again. You know, I, I almost don't hate the fact that I hate Iowa. It feels right like a nice old t-shirt that fits just right. Hating Iowa just seems to fit for Illinois fans. Fran McCaffrey is a great villain. He's a great heel. I love the thing that Trevor had tweeted out from his press conference where he was giving these short answers, kind of a Bill Belichick or Greg Popovich shtick that he had going on. And I love it. You know, I don't hate the guy. I, I really don't. I mean that. I, I appreciate him for being the surly bastard that he is because it makes it that much more fun to watch these games. And to root against Iowa, I don't hate Luca Garza. He's really good. I heard the kid talk afterwards. He seems like a nice kid. I've never had a problem with Luca Garza. I kind of get annoyed with the endless parade of white guards. And this has been an Iowa thing forever. Iowa and Indiana and Wisconsin. The holy triumvirate of whiteness in Big Ten basketball. But yeah, they annoy me. But at the end of the day, I probably wouldn't hate any of them individually. Maybe Connor McCaffrey a little bit. I, I don't need to do that. By the way, did you think, as I did early in that game, that Connor McCaffrey was going to be the reason that we lost to Iowa? And if so, oh, you know, there, there was that hate brewing, that that toxic venom that you feel, that bile rising when you think about Iowa and losing to the McCaffreys, of which there are seemingly an endless number of McCaffreys that are going to play for their dad on that team. What is it, Patrick off the bench? Give me a break. I don't need coach's sons to play. No offense, Tyler Underwood. He'll make a good coach. I don't need the coach's uh, son thing. I'm kind of done with that. But man, it is fun to hate them again. And thinking about how, as an Illinois fan, the hatred of Iowa was sort of built into this thing from a young age. I mentioned last week before the, 
let's see, it was a Thursday's podcast before the game, how back in 1993 when Andy Kaufman hit the shot, I was young enough, too young to know the full extent of what happened with Bruce Pearl, but I knew the name. Trust me, I knew the name Bruce Pearl. And I knew that that was a bad man, someone you should hate. And you could tell in the stadium that night, again at a young age, but there was a particular energy that I've only really felt one time since. And that was when Indiana came in here with Eric Gordon in 2008. Just true hate and spite from 16,000 people in that stadium. And, you know, we weren't able to be there on Friday night, but there was this weird, almost communal vibe that you could gather from Twitter. And fortunately, being able to talk with Trevor and Isaac during the game and share in this with them, texting with friends and family and trying to even do so during the game as this awesome second half is unfolding and Illinois eventually gets the win. You know, of course, it would have been better to be in the stadium, but to know that that hate can still persist, even in the middle of a pandemic where we can't share in it with 16,000 other Illini fans in the stadium, that's kind of cool. I mean, listen, sports and rivalries and hating one other fan base more than you hate others, that's all part of it. And it's fun as long as no one gets hurt, no one actually gets into fights about it. We don't need to turn into English soccer hooligans. But yeah, I hate Iowa and it's great. And I'm sure that there are plenty of nice people in Iowa. I will say that when we went up there for the Illinois-Iowa football game in 2015, we did the Tay and Jay show that Friday night. Lon and I and my buddy Kenton were hanging out all that Saturday with Iowa fans. They were great. They were very nice. But when the game starts, I don't like you. I don't like the whole thing about Iowa. I'm kind of done with it. I'm done with the Wisconsin thing. I'm done with the Iowa thing. But as much as Wisconsin annoys me, there's something about Iowa that really gets under my skin. And this collection of guys on that team and the head coach, man, is that a perfect storm to hate Iowa again. It sure beats when they had Todd Licklider, which if you put a lineup of guys in front of me and said, who's Todd Licklider? I couldn't probably pick him out of a lineup for you. But man, Fran McCaffrey, that's... That's a guy, and it's, it's fun. I, I just love it, and on one hand, I'd like to play them again because of how much fun it is. On the other hand, hey, we beat them in the one game that we played this year, and that's okay. We don't need to see them again. You know how good they can be. Do you really want to go one-and-one one against these guys? Do we need to play them again to prove anything? No. Take the scheduling break. You got the win. I know C.J. Frederick wasn't playing, but you know what? Those are the breaks. These, these things happen. And to be honest, when Connor McCaffrey scoring 11, 12 points, that kind of makes up for the fact that C.J. Frederick wasn't out there for them. Illinois earned that win. It wasn't a fluke. If Illinois and Iowa played 10 times, I think Illinois would win six. And that's not a crazy statement. I just think that the matchup is actually pretty beneficial for them. We've seen that in two of the last three games, and even in the loss last year at Iowa City, I thought Illinois was right there with them despite not playing all that well. So it's... It's a good matchup. It's a fun rivalry. I won't miss Luca Garza. Not, not as a guy, but I won't miss having to try to defend someone like that who, when he's on, good luck. I won't miss the fact that Bohannon, who is now 32 years old, will be gone next year, despite the fact he struggled against Illinois on Friday night. I won't miss when a lot of these guys go, and it'll be interesting to see if McCaffrey can sustain this sort of level at Iowa. I think he's going to have them perennially in the top half of the Big Ten, I just don't know if he's going to have them top 15, top 20 consistently. Because we've seen with Fran McCaffrey, it can be feast or famine. And after some of these guys leave, I'll be interested to see how far back they fall. But man, that was fun, right? To beat Iowa, there's no team I'd rather beat more than Iowa. Not, not Indiana. That thing has kind of fizzled. 
even though you got a big game Tuesday night. And I think other than Iowa, Wisconsin would be number two, the team that I most want to beat. Other than that, I don't know if I got beef with anyone. I don't want to lose to EJ Liddell again. So hopefully when you play Ohio State late this year, you can get a win at Columbus. I think you should if you continue to improve. But yeah, maybe. But other than that, I, I don't really have vitriol for a lot of these Big Ten teams. But Iowa, yeah, it's there. Now, Wisconsin, that's coming up Saturday, and I really do like that matchup. But tomorrow night against Indiana, I say tomorrow, maybe you're listening to this on Tuesday. We'll be here for the second half, and it's a game where I have this odd sense of calm, and it's kind of presumptuous to call this podcast Turning the Corner because that's implying that, well, we're going to beat Indiana, we're going to beat Wisconsin. I think we are, though. And it is so crucial to get that one against Iowa, not just to get that marquee win, but to set the table for a really big second half of the Big Ten season. And as Brad Underwood was alluding to today, the fact that this team, it seems as if they're finally getting what each of them does, what each of their roles is. I think one guy to look out for with that in particular is Andre Corbello. I think that you can take the playmaking onus off of him a little bit. And you saw him play with a little bit more, um, I mean, the confidence has always been there, but it seemed like the game slowed down a little bit for him against Iowa. That's an encouraging sign because opponents don't get much better than Iowa. And I thought Curbelo was pretty efficient out there. He looked comfortable, and I, I think that's something to really take out of that game. But Indiana, right? You know, you can't overlook them. They're good. They aren't great. They're good. And they will probably sneak into the NCAA tournament this year because they got a few good wins as a nine seed, something like that. So this is by no means a gimme. But I do have this odd sense of calm, and I have this confidence that, yeah, Illinois is just going to go in there and get it done. It may be in doubt in certain parts of the second half. It may not be the prettiest game, because if you look back at the last two Illinois-Indiana games, they haven't been pretty. And Indiana, they kind of muck it up a little bit. But I look back to 2013, and I mentioned this on Friday night's podcast. Sometimes the follow-up, to a triumphant win is just as satisfying. You can go back to 2013 when Illinois beat number one Indiana at home. And that's great. That got you to three and seven in the Big Ten. But if you don't follow that up, you may still not make the NCAA tournament. Well, they did follow it up. And they had a really good second half of the season. And that game propelled them to a win at Minnesota. And they were still ranked at the time, Trevor and Bakway. And they made the tournament later that year, too. So it was the follow-up against Minnesota where, as I watched that, I thought, okay, wait, we have turned the corner. So this year, beating Iowa, following it up three days later against Indiana, you win that, and certainly I will say, yep, they've turned the corner. And again, that's presumptuous, because if they lose to Wisconsin or something like that, well, then are we back at square one? I don't know. But I feel so much better about this week having gotten the win against Iowa. So much better. And I got to think the guys on the team feel better too. That you take the must-win component off of it, right? And I know that can be a dangerous thing for this team. They always seem to play better with the chip on their shoulder. But I think maybe what this team needed was a win like that to say, oh, by the way, you guys control your own destiny with the Big Ten title. That maybe they did have to slip with the Maryland and the Ohio State games at home and fall into the depths a little bit and then dig themselves out with a pretty good win against Penn State at home. Penn State's playing much better now. And then to get that one against Iowa and realize, wait a second, we can be really good and we have this goal in front of us that is still attainable. Now, they don't need to be perfect to do it, but they got to be close. And I don't think they can afford to lose either of these games this week if we're going to have that conversation about a Big Ten title. And for selfish reasons, and I think for Illini fans, I speak for everybody, win these two games so that next week's game against Michigan, that Thursday night, 
is huge. Monstrous. I mean, that's nationally, I mean, it's going to be nationally televised, but national recognition, national riders are going to be on that. College basketball fans are going to be tuning into that game. If Illinois can win these next two, put themselves back in the top 10, and that would be Michigan's first game in a couple of weeks. And as Jeremy and I talked about, you know, rust factor was not an issue for Illinois and Iowa, but they were still practicing. They had simulated games, all of that. I'm pretty sure Michigan has shut down everything. They are not practicing. There's no contact, anything like that. So there could be a rust factor. I mean, if it's about when you play the team, right? It's not who you play, but when you play them, that could be no more true than when you play Michigan after they haven't even been on a court for two weeks. So that's a huge advantage for the Illinois team. If they can get to that matchup, having won these two games here, getting themselves to nine and three in conference, and then being right there in the driver's seat. Because best winning percentage, that will get you the Big Ten title. And I'm not great with math, but let's say you finish this up. Oh gosh, I don't know. Let's say you finish 13 and five. And boy, I wish we could make up those games against Nebraska and Michigan State because then you're talking maybe 15 and five. So let's say you lose a couple more games this year. You go on a nice heater. 13 and five, whatever that winning percentage would be. Uh, let's say Michigan, they don't make up those games and they finish like 11 and three. I don't know how that shakes out. I'm not good with math. I'm just saying there is a path to winning this based on win percentage if Michigan doesn't play a whole lot more games. And another advantage here is that Michigan, the way they were playing, had this break not happened. They were on a heater. I don't care who they played. They probably would have continued to stack wins the way that they were playing. And then they get this two-week interruption. Do I want to win a Big Ten title because another team had a two-week interruption and they got rusty and they lost all that mojo? No. I mean, I understand why that would take maybe a little bit of the shine off of it, but not if Illinois goes off and wins a bunch of quality games here. And to win a Big Ten title, look, here I go again. It started. I'm talking Big Ten title. In order for something like that to happen, they would have to have quality win after quality win. Actually, now that I say that, marquee win after marquee win. And you do that, then you start talking like two seed in the NCAA tournament. I didn't realize Illinois is tied for most quad one wins in the nation. And you can thank the likes of Penn State, because you got the road win against Penn State. You can thank Purdue, Minnesota, Duke, because they're still a top 75 team, and that was a road game. That's still a quad one win, and they're looking better. I mean, they'll make the tournament because they're Duke, so that looks better and better. At least you hope it does as the season continues. And, you know, the losses at Missouri, yeah, you wish you could have that back, but it doesn't hurt you, right? But now you got that marquee win with Iowa, and you get a few more. All of a sudden, in terms of seeding, you're feeling really good, and then you maybe open the door for a Big Ten title. But before we get too crazy with that, you got to win both this week. And for me to call this turning the corner, I think that gives you an indication how I think these two games are going to go. I think they're going to win both. I thought they were going to beat Iowa, and it wasn't some sort of hunch so much as it was, yeah, I like the matchup, and I just think that this Illinois team is due to play a really good game against a good team, and that often they do play to the caliber of their opponents. When it comes to Tuesday night at Indiana, this Illinois team already saw face-to-face how difficult it was to beat Indiana at home. So I don't think there's going to be anything taken for granted here. I think getting out of State Farm Center and feeling that much more urgency, perhaps, playing Indiana, that won't hurt them in this matchup. And then you come home to Wisconsin, and have that much more to play for if you get the win Tuesday night. You know, stacking wins, building that momentum, it has such a carryover effect at this point because you still have everything within reach. But to do so, you got to win this game. Oh, and then if you win that game, you got to win the next one. Oh, you won that one? Great. 
Well, now you got to win the next one. And then I just hope it snowballs here. And it could. It could if everything goes right. And there's, uh, well, I say everything. Again, not everything has to go right. You saw this team with a bad Georgie and DeMonte being invisible and Adam Miller being a non-factor still beat a top 10 team and look pretty good doing it. So no, it doesn't all need to go right, but just a few things have to go right outside of Iowa and Kofi. And I think they can. And I think Grandison's emergence, Trent becoming the third leading scorer, and then Corbello getting uh, more confident out there in his role, that may be enough to help you do that. So listen, this is a feel-good podcast, right? Turning the corner, getting the old shot in the arm, one of two. I'll be back three weeks for that. And then come March, we'll be 95% immune, right? And getting closer. I don't know if I'm going to see any concerts this summer. I'd love to think I would, but just being able to hang out with family again, go over to my parents' house, or for my parents to come over and see our house. They're going to be fully vaccinated uh, early March as well. And that is just a huge step in the right direction for what has been the longest year, hopefully any of us experience. I hope so. And then you couple that with Illinois. Again, I know this is a clunky transition. You know, life stuff, pandemic, seeing family and friends, and oh, Illinois basketball. But you know what? For my family, Illinois basketball has been the thing. It has been. And I wish that during this year, I could be popping over to my parents' house on a Friday night and sitting at the bar with them and talking about these Illinois games in person. But hell, last night, talking with my parents for about an hour or so, and I think about the first 15 minutes were delegated to Illinois basketball. That's ingrained in me because of all the conversations we had at the dinner table growing up. It's ingrained in the friend groups that I have where our text threads during an Illinois game are focused on the Illinois game. And it's so cool to be able to carry that over to doing this podcast and sharing that excitement. And then in the bad moments, sharing that kind of angry catharsis with fans. And I just hope that as we go forward, the last month and a half of the season, or hopefully two months, if we can really stretch this into the NCAA tournament, I hope that more often than not, we come on here and we have these celebratory podcasts. And I think we can. And it had to start Friday, and it did. So that's the first thing is, right? I noticed at the end of that game when Kofi got that rebound, it was a sense of relief. And then right as the buzzer sounded, I think as I was talking the last 15 minutes of that podcast to Trevor and Isaac, after the game had ended, it started to dawn on me. And as I was signing off, I said, you know, I could just sit here and soak in this for a while and and keep talking and talking in, in a circular kind of way about how cool that was because it had finally hit me how big it was. Guarded optimism didn't keep me from feeling that triumph and that joy. It was joy, right? And we need, we need joy in this year of all years. And that's why, you know, I'm always anxious and, and feeling the sense of urgency for Illinois basketball to recapture what they've had before and none more so than I feel this year. Please, guys, give us that distraction. Give us that joy that we unfortunately have been deprived of for much of 2020 and now the early part of 2021. And after a rocky January and rocky parts of December, maybe they're doing that. I think they are. Boy, I hope those aren't my famous last words because you guys know back in November, man, was I talking about this team being the greatest thing since 05, which they still could be. But I was talking about how great they'd be because of this, that, and the other. And then they've lost five games and some of them very frustrating fashion. And then I come on here and I'm like, what the hell is this? Where's this thing going? What is going on here? Is Underwood really the guy? You can call that overreactions and I wouldn't fault you for that. I think there's some legitimacy to saying, Carp, just chill out a little bit. But 
It's what we do. It's why I'm fanboy carp. It's why I'm not a beat reporter who is trying to take an objective look at this. I try to be logical and objective, but of course, I'm always going to be influenced by the emotions that we feel watching this team, watching Illinois basketball specifically, and how good it feels when they are good. And they're good. So let's just finish the job. Let's maybe hang a banner this year. Let's go to the second weekend of the tournament. Let's, let's feel some of those things that we haven't felt in a long time in a year where feeling any kind of joy is that much more welcome. All right, before we get out of here, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. You can order online. They will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Coupon code Mike will get you $5 calzones, $6 premium in construction zones. That can include a custom zone, any topping you want, and they got plenty to choose from. Or one of their favorites, I would get the Maui Wowie back in the day. The Maui Wowie, it has ham and pineapple. I was on a Hawaiian pizza kind of craze back then, along with some great dipping sauce. Mm, the delicious marinara dipping sauce, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. dpdo.com, coupon code Mike at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Get your lucky shirt if you haven't already. And even if you had a lucky shirt Friday, there's no reason not to get more awesome vintage-inspired Illini apparel from fourthandkirby.com that you can wear throughout the week. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Brian is my guy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian will take care of you just like he took care of me and Kara moving into our house with homeowners, auto. Great price for the bundle, of course. But on top of that, great personalized service from Brian and his staff. That's brianismyguy.com. We'll be back Tuesday night or maybe tonight if you're listening to this on Tuesday. And that will be a late one. Drink your coffee, ladies and gentlemen. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock for the second half. It'll be me, Trevor, and Isaac for what is hopefully another win for Illinois and we continue to build this momentum here. Not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but I think when push comes to shove, I like Illinois' chances in this matchup, and I don't think, based on how close the last two games against Indiana have been, I don't think that Illinois is going to take this one for granted. I'd be very disappointed if they did. I I hope that they have learned a thing or two and that they come out guns blazing and get what would be another quad one win. Keep that in mind. We're talking about stacking wins. Well, you'd be stacking a high-quality quad one win against Indiana if you get this in Bloomington. And it's not easy to win in Bloomington, so you might as well do it when there are not fans in the building. And then, of course, Saturday we'll be back for the second half of that Illinois-Wisconsin game, and I'll be here Thursday. So we've got a busy week. We'll get a bunch of podcasts out there as we are in the thick of it now with Illinois basketball. If you could, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's a huge help. You can put five stars. You can put one star. That's fine, too. If you really hate us and you made it this far in the podcast, good on you. But the more ratings and reviews we get, the more people find us and discover us on Apple Podcast. As you're hearing it right now, this is Decadence out of your head from our latest album, Fever Dreams. The opening, the intro, is Wasted Time from the same album, available anywhere music is streaming. All right, I got to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow night, Tuesday, Illinois, Indiana. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level. We